This is Valtteri Bottas, and you're listening to the dirty side of the track. Hey now, welcome to the dirty side of the track, America's leading Formula One podcast. We might actually be this week. Uh, I'm Brian, that's Rob. Welcome to the party, everybody. And how come I don't do the intro this week? I think it's because there's a little bit more of a special person to do the intro for us this week, Brian. But, <laughs> you don't say. Um, yeah. So, as you all know uh, from listening to the beginning there, it was the most insane time ever for us on the Dirty Side. We thought that our Jack Villeneuve episode was the biggest. I would actually say that this actually blew my brains even more, to be honest, uh, Brian. So, uh, taking into account there might be a few new listeners here, um, maybe you're only here for Val- Valtteri, and if you are, welcome. We'd like you to stay around a little bit. We're just a small little uh, fan-based pod. Uh, two bozos sitting on a bar stool talking F1 up at the virtual bar. So uh, stick around, listen for Valtteri. Uh, what we tend to do is just say it as we see it, isn't it, Brian? Yep. We'll talk a little bit about news and social things going on around F1. Uh, we talk about the race. And since it's the off offseason, uh, we've been finding some guests. And thank you to everybody who's participated. Uh, and then we have a fun quiz show at the end for any guests or listeners, the 100 Seconds of DRS, which you'll see Valtteri run for us this week. And the thing that we do is we're not big at yelling, and it's it's about having fun and celebrating F1 and our fandom. So we hope you always leave the episode with a smile on your face, because I know we do. Yeah, so uh, rundown this week is as normal, news and social. Brian's actually pulled his finger out and got some videos to review this week as well after about a three-week hiatus from not actually uh, reviewing videos. Uh, <laughs> we were busy. Then, <laughs> yeah, we were busy. Uh, busy organizing something which will be the uh, the bulk of the episode, which is going into our Valtteri interview. <laughs> Still can't believe I get to say that out loud. Uh, after that, we will then have a Valtteri Bottas Sap Stats edition. So we figured we probably shouldn't burn all the time in the interview just reading out stats too him because he probably knows all of those stats uh and as much as i would have liked to have done it <laughs> you would you I would would've. you would have just love to have sat there and just go and then Valtteri, uh, are, you, then uh, you- <laughs> are you aware that you've won 10 races <laughs> but yeah yeah I'm aware. and then we'll have a uh, little preview of what's coming on uh next week so um if you are just here for Valtteri and you really don't want to hear us uh, yammer on you probably want to fast forward about 10 minutes for uh the news and social but Stick around. I think, you know, we're all right, I think. So, (laughs) in my view. Um, Right, what do we have this week, Brian? We had livery updates and maybe car launch as well after my rant last week about uh, livery launches being pointless and I want to see a real car. So, Williams unveiled their livery. Um... I like the I like the Duracell battery thing. It got I some hate online, but I quite like it. Well, it's they did th- something similar at one point last year, and everyone was keen to point that out. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. Last I like the they car did too. It a little bit, and then right. this year it feels like they went all in. They went, you know what? If we're going to do a battery, it has to be a full on battery. <laughs> so uh, fair play to them. I quite like that. I do too. It is a risky play for Duracell though, because what'll end up happening is Albon will be defending against somebody, and he'll be out of power. And they'll say, I've drained the battery, and then Duracell's going to take a hit. But uh, or, they're, or they're pulling up the rear at the back, and they're not exactly the Duracell bunny. They're just kind of exactly. like limping well, around. But, yeah, you know. I, I, I liked it. You know what? I, I think four for four. I know you and I differ on Red Bull, because you said it was a tracing paper move from last year. Just hit copy and, and paste. I liked all of the no, four no, no, cars No, so no, no, no. Let's not, let's not misquote You me liked here. it. You said I it was lazy. I like the Red Bull livery. I'm just yeah. not in love with these livery launches, when especially a lot of the, especially teams that got iconic looks, they're not really going to change much each year, which brings us on to 
Alpha, which was actually gave us. Yes, it's not fully. I know you've got some information on this. So it's not fully the actual race trim, but it's basically not a show car from last year with this year's livery on. It's it's the 2023 car, and it was it gorgeous, nice. Yes, oh. Valtteri references it in our interview. In case hey, you want no, to stick no around, spoilers, no spoilers. No spoilers. <laughs> um, I loved the floor. Did you see the floor on the Alpha Romeo? It had like these little James Bond knife deals coming off the sides of the floor, which a will be dangerous for. Uh, Valtteri and Joe when they get in, but also B, if they pull up alongside somebody, I just can't wait to <laughs> see them shred someone else's tires. I'm not sure that's the finished article. That might just be part of the show car element, perhaps. <laughs> it is. A, so here's the interesting part of, of the Alpha for everybody. Um, it's for sale. That particular one, as they did last year, which I somehow missed, is for sale on F1 Authentics. And the current bid is up to 99,000 uh, pounds, which is what, like 120,000, 115,000 US dollars. Uh, and you can have that car. And it's signed by Valtteri and Joe, and their way, race suits they wore are signed as well. This is a great deal. How come we? How can we get this? I want this so badly. I'm 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 just going to be coming up a little short in the funding for it on its current uh, bid at the moment. Uh, to be honest, Brian, but I think um, that's amazing. I think that's so cool that they're selling it. It is, it is cool. It is cool. Stuff that's um, not cool, but we've got to kind of hit it off is uh, good old uh, Mohammed Ben Suleiman. Uh, he is stepping back from day-to-day duties, but staying as the FIA president. I'm not really sure what that means. I think a lot of people were kind of implying that he was probably a done deal and was going to be leaving, but uh, he's just going to step back from day-to-day. So I, I think we, we all know that that was accelerated. Had that been an actual plan, it was accelerated when he got in the way of the valuation of F1, and then when his old comments about women acting smarter than men all came out, uh, we knew that was coming. Um, so anyway, we'll be looking at Nicholas... Tombazes, uh as the new FIA person that we'll be seeing, and so I'm I'm excited for that. Uh, Are you? Are you excited yeah. to see a new FIA person? I don't really care. Uh, <laughs> the uh, we've been running an F1 dirty side uh, bracket. Uh, let's see if I can remember it. February F1 fantasticness. That is the hashtag that is trending right now. Between not me at all like March between Madness. me and you on Twitter, that one's trending. Of course, we are five rounds in, uh, five matchups in in the first round. We've seen Alan Prost, Juan Manuel Fangio, Jim Clark, Lewis Hamilton, and Nicky Lauda win their uh, matches so far. And as of recording, we have Seb and and Ascari going against each other. Uh, and then we have two more matchups in the first round. And then we'll be moving on to the, to the Elite Eight after that. So I'm really excited. If you guys aren't voting, uh, why not? Uh, and check it out on Twitter. Um, this is for you now, Brian, because you just want to gloat, apparently, uh, about something I said last week, and now you've managed to find some rumor that shoots me down, so off to you. All right. Well, so last week we talked a lot about Ford joining um, the 2026 grid with Red Bull, and I said, what does that mean for Honda? And it turns out, I'm gonna, I have a dispatch uh, from the rumor mill here, reporting live over the rumor mill. I'd like to talk a little bit about the fact that it looks as though McLaren and Honda might actually be matching up. And I know it's a rumor, but last week we had this exact conversation. And I don't see any of them carrying the Honda logo on them. Oh, really? I just think I think we're, we're, we're hitting one of those eras where Honda are out and then give it like 10 years and they're back to having their own team again. <laughs> I agree. It's a, it's a very real chance. They're probably the most likely that they're out. But I wouldn't put it past someone like McLaren or somebody <gasps> to grab a Honda engine. 
Man, did I get that right if this happens. Well, well yeah, kind it's a rumor. of. But it's a rumor. sitting point. on the fence. Well, I say Honda are going to be out. And you went, I agree. I said that's oh, most by likely. The way, I agree, but I'll also I'll, I'll put this counter option as well so that I'm right either way. <laughs> oh, nice one, Brian. Well done. So anyway, the rumor was really stoked on by the race.com And Bryson Solomon, if you don't follow him on Twitter, at Natural Paradigm, he's amazing. Uh, he kind of covered this in detail and what it could mean to have McLaren and Honda back together again. So it was fun to see. I really hope it comes true so I can just keep playing that clip about me predicting the future and you being so wrong. Yeah, well, I think next time you play it, just a little editor's trick for you here where I do uh, edit the episodes is maybe crop it at the point where you nah. then say, I agree, because nah, then it'll it's be honest. I, you know I'm honest. I got to be honest <laughs> about everything. I did like the helicopter sound effect, though. I think we need to find a way of keeping that in uh, when you do some sort of rumor mill reports. I'm uh, <laughs> Brian in the chopper. Yeah. Reporting okay. live. Um, and when you're in your chopper, maybe you'll be flying over the Vegas Strip because we've got many years to save up for that by the looks of things. Because despite the fact we haven't even had a race there, they're already looking to extend it for 10 years. I don't understand that. I mean, like, you'd want to run one, see if it works? <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I. Uh, if this year's then isn't very good and gets a poor reception, I mean, I guess they've got nine more tries to get it right. <laughs> That's one way of looking at it. Uh, we're dropping this on Sunday, Super Bowl Sunday, and super exciting for the Eagles and the Chiefs. Rob, who you got, man? Because we are recording this in advance, so I'd love to see what you think's going to happen. My neighbor's a big Eagles fan, so I've got to see those Eagles soar. Yeah, I think that as uh, having gone to school in Philly and worked in Philly, uh, that's actually pronounced Eagles. So I'm excited for the Eagles. I think they're going to win as well. Unless Kelsey has a massive game. If we see Kelsey, Travis Kelsey, um, I'm speaking of, have a massive game for the Chiefs, then I think the Chiefs can have a chance. But if he doesn't have over two touchdowns, 150 yards, I don't, I don't see the Chiefs beating the Eagles. But who knows? But who knows? And hopefully you're listening to this right now as part of your pregame routine because we're gonna. This should have been dropped uh, at, at lunchtime, so you can enjoy the Valtteri interview and then settle back for the game later in the day. You know. So. And the last like, thing, yeah. Sorry. I, I, I like to think we're just part of that Super Bowl weekend. You know, <laughs> most of America is looking yeah, forward to the Valtteri interview and then the big game. Some might listen to the Valtteri interview and be so stoked they have to listen to it over and over again and might miss the game. That's what I'm kind of thinking. I doubt it. Uh, <laughs> as we often do, talk a little bit about videos before we kind of move on to the social media aspects that the teams put out for us. Um, if you don't like the livery launches that have been going on, then don't follow this. Ferrari put out their fire-up of their 2023 car. It is literally just a red fingerprint appearing on the screen for 34 seconds in the sound of an engine running, followed by raucous applause. That's all it is. I just gave you... <laughs> moving on. You don't need to watch it. I just saved you the time. Um, McLaren did drop a great video searching for Oscar's first day. So it's in a heavy partnership with Google. I say heavy because they beat you over the head with Google through the entire episode, but it's five minutes. It was fun, man. Oscar, I don't really, I didn't really have like a lot of background on him personally. So I didn't know whether to like him, not like him. What's he going to be like? And it was fun. Check it out. It's a, it's, it was an exciting uh, five-minute video to kind of see Oscar. And then he even, I'm going to give a little spoiler away, he calls his mom at the end, which is probably fake, but it was fun. So uh, kudos. How dare you say that a mom call is fake? I mean, you never know. Uh, after the Williams launch, we had Will Buxton on Sky Sports interviewing uh, Albon and Sargent about the car, about the upcoming season. It's only five minutes. It's all right. You know, like if you're like me and you can't get enough F1 as we're, you know, less than a month away from cars on track. Uh, watch it because I enjoyed it. But uh, if you're not a Williams person or want to pass on it, you'd be fine. We mentioned two last week quickly because they just dropped. We recorded a little early and they just dropped. It was 
Um, it was when the teams were in New York and everybody was there. We had on um, we had Daniel Ricardo on the Late Show with Stephen Colbert. It was fine. It was a great interview. I love Daniel Ricardo. I love this interview. But Colbert knows so little about F1. He'd had Lewis Hamilton on years prior, if anyone remembers that, and he's talking about the hood of the car and like the windshield. I'm like, bro, you don't. And it's, Colbert knows nothing about F1, and that's okay. I don't expect him to, but it's painful. But Ricardo was fantastic. It's just you know I wanted it to be a little more. And the second one, I'm actually going to tell you, don't watch, which is hard to believe. But the Tonight Show with Jimmy, Jim Farley from Ford, the CEO, and Checo, go-kart racing. Don't watch it. It, was, it had such potential, and it was so bad. You almost now need to watch it just to understand how bad it is. It's one of those things like you have to watch just to witness the badness in action, it's I think. It's terrible. But the one that, you know, to get you guys ready, the last thing, every 2023 F1 driver's best result on the F1 channel Check it out. Eight minutes long. It's just everybody winning or doing their best F1 performance or in any of the uh, other series they're coming from. Man, I'm ready. I am ready for the season, and I'm ready for the Valtteri interview. Yep, and that's what's coming up now. So, um, what was it? A week ago, pretty much, Brian, we uh, got the green light from Pit Lane Pool. And for anybody new to the pod, we are so lucky to have a friend of the show, Paul, who is part of the F1 circus. He travels around the world and he phones in sort of three-minute race reviews after every single race for us that we play on the show. So that's worth tuning in for uh, just to hear Pit Lane Pauls because he manages to nicely splice together race results and also a travel aspect of whatever country he's <laughs> visiting. It's it's absolutely educational. Anyway, he also was able to help uh, introduce us and get us hooked up with uh, the Valtteri interview so again I know you don't see it as much of a big deal Paul but to us amazing a million thanks more than a million thanks um, it was fantastic that moment that we joined the zoom call and there was just me and Brian there and Paul kind of lurking in the background and the moment that square appeared on the screen that said Valtteri Bottas I didn't believe it I didn't believe it until I saw the mullet and the mustache um <laughs> And I think rather than uh, beat around now, just kind of uh, talking about how amazing it was, we should just play it and you guys can listen to it. So enjoy. Okay, for any kind of regular listeners to the dirty side, you'll know that me and Brian can never agree on how to pronounce things, whether it's uh, garage, garage, tomato, tomato, football, soccer. Well, our next guest has got a last name that is also going to cause some dispute between the two of us. So rather than cause any embarrassment to which one of us is right or wrong, but it's Brian that's wrong. Uh, it's my great pleasure to say welcome to the dirty side of the track, Valtteri. Thank you. And my last name? I'm going to say Bottas. Yeah. Right. And I'm going to say what Rob said. <laughs> okay. Not Bottas. <laughs> well, you know, in America, that's how it would come out, unfortunately. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've heard all kinds of things. So all good. All good. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Uh, no, it's our, it's our great pleasure. So um, we're just going to kind of go a little bit of a, a walk through kind of... Uh, your F1 uh, highlights. Um, but where I want to start is good old Finland. Now, I was doing a little bit of research. Um, Finland loves football, ice hockey, skiing, winter Olympics, cross-country shooting. You name it, if it's frozen and you slide on it, it's, it's Finland territory, right? So, did young Valtteri harbor an ambition to go into one of those sports, or was it always motorsport for you? Actually, for me, like since a young kid, since I was like five years old, it was um, all about ice hockey in the winter and then go-karts in, in the summer. So I did try football. I was useless. I didn't like it. Um, so yeah, ice hockey was, I, I don't know, more natural to me. And it's a really cool game, actually. Um, really high tempo, 
good for training, good for learning skills as a kid. And obviously, yeah, I loved go-karts as well, but there's this slight problem. We have this snow and ice that offers <laughs> everything. So it gets a bit tricky, you know, so I had to do something in the winter. So, but eventually like when I was getting to close to be a teenager, then I don't know, I think the racing just became a bit more of a thing for me. Uh, I felt I was maybe a bit better on, on that than than in ice hockey. And for me, it was somehow more fun. So I think when I was like, 13 14 i decided to put a lot more effort into into racing and uh when i was 15 then it was all in only only racing stopped ice hockey completely um just still nowadays when i go go back i play a bit but that's about it oh okay so the the, the nhl was never calling then it was never kind of that split decision between the ice hockey professional and, and the, it was all in on motor racing once you hit 15. The thing with ice hockey for me, I never focused on like one position. There was like some years I was goalie, uh, sometimes in the defense, um, sometimes in the center or forward. So I, I think I never focused all the energy on, on one position, but I felt like I was pretty good. Like um, there were some players that I played with, they play in the Finnish league. Even some have been knocking on the door of NHL. So it's um, obviously in, in Finland, it's really, really high level already as a, as a kid. Yeah. That's amazing. And obviously focusing on motorsport at 15 paid off because, you know, you're in F1. I don't know if you're aware of that. It's pretty amazing. Um, yeah, so, I think I made the right decision. Yeah, I, so too. <laughs> and so I guess one of the questions I'd have is as you look on your F1 career, which is amazing, do you have a favorite moment, a favorite on-track moment, an overtake or a victory? Is there something you look back on and say, yeah, that's amazing? Because I know Rob and I have debated this, whether it's your domination in Australia in 19, one of the most dominating races ever run pip and stroll in baku your first win in russia there's so many but is it is there something that you look back and just smile every time and say yeah that was awesome you never forget the the first time so i think it's good it's that one whatever the matter the thing first time is something special so yeah uh that was un unreal I, I i think that's still the favorite moment like um and then funnily enough it kind of becomes easier after that um i mean yeah it just for me it took a long time to actually like understand the situation that i've won a grand prix because since yeah i was five six years old that was all what i was dreaming of and then once you're standing on the podium on, on the top step that was a huge thing for me and um that's definitely the number one i think actually australia 2019 it's close there to be number one. It was, I think, probably my best best race ever. But I think I still have a bit of hangover from that night. So that's why it's <laughs> dropping down to level two. <laughs> you say one of your best races ever. It was one of the best races ever. But uh, yeah, for anybody, it was amazing. So can I ask, you say it when it's set in. So if you're in the car, and at what point... Is it when you see the checkered flag? Is it when you get out? Is it when you're doing the interviews? Is it on the podium? Is it afterwards? Like when does the gravity of that amazing accomplishment kind of set in for you? Uh, I would say when you cross the line, because then you can actually relax. Because yeah, you can't really think about it too much before you, you cross the line. And then on the podium, obviously, you know, especially the races, if you have a bit of atmosphere, you see all the people, you get your national anthem plate um to everybody and it's it is kind of that whole post-race thing is, is is pretty cool 
And do you have a favourite moment that's like, say, not connected for a win or uh, uh, points or anything? But like we saw, I think it was last season, we saw Danny Rick doing the finger guns as he kind of overtook someone. Like it was like he, it was such a good overtake that he just loved that moment. Have you got like a, even a favourite like a corner you've nailed or an overtake you've done where you can like look back and grin and think, yeah, I nailed that? <laughs> uh, there's a couple. Um... I think they're both, both related to to Lewis. Um, they, I think one was definitely a good one in Silverstone. We had a good battle. Uh, overtook him in the. I'm useless with the corner names. The old turn one. Yeah, <laughs> um, that was nice. Um, but then I think the best was uh, Austin U.S. Grand Prix 2019. I got him twice, and then I won the race. So that was the best. <laughs> <laughs> right now, from great things to the lower end of the emotions. So we were just um, thinking about like things that we don't get to understand as fans, right? So when you end up not finishing a race, um, which is the worst feeling, or maybe there are different feelings, between flying in a car that you think could win it and the car lets go and you're, ah, versus you make the mistake and you're out because of your error. Is, are, they must be contrasting emotions. Which one's the worst feeling? Worst one is own mistake. You know, it's. I think every every driver is so competitive, and um, <clears throat> yeah, your own mistake. It, it is painful for for days uh, because you know that you wasted possibly an opportunity for a great result or even for a win. And yeah, but in the end, they are the best moments to learn actually uh, about yourself and how to not cock up again. <laughs> it's yeah, but you know. For me, like if I have a technical issue, yes, it is super disappointing because you've come to the race, done all the prep, all the work, and for for nothing basically. But um, it is easier to accept when you kind of understand the the issue. But yeah, all mistakes by far uh, more, more painful. Um, speaking of painful, a question for you about crashes. Um, there are a lot of people who kind of debate the worst crash. And I recently saw for the someone made a YouTube on the worst crashes for people on the grid this year. And they said yours was uh, with George at Imola. And I remember very, very much your Mexico qualifying crash and the team radio from that. And as you were gathering yourself, that looked to again just to a fan who doesn't know anything that looked worse to me, the Mexico crash. But as you look back on F1, what's the crash that sticks out to you as being, you know, sort of the worst one. Yeah, that crash in Imola, actually the impact itself wasn't that huge. Like the first impact was um, with great speed to the concrete wall, but it was like not really big angle. So that was okay. Um, but then I was waiting for the second impact and actually it was pretty soft because the barrier was pretty big. Um, and then I got a slap on my head. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> then, uh, yeah. Mexico was big because, well, again, the impact didn't feel that bad, but it was so sudden that it, I kind of lost air in, in the lungs. So, yeah. yeah. Um, but biggest one I've had as an impact and what hurt the most was actually 2019 in Austria in practice. Oh. It was, I think it was turn, turn six, quick left-hander, lost the back end and um, kind of corrected. Yeah, kind of catched it, but didn't and went like straight to the wall like, um, really like dead straight and uh, the stop was so sudden that I think it was like 53 g-forces or something oh. and um, yeah my head was like a ping pong ball if you look at the onboard so uh, that that hurt 
what, what what's going through your mind? Like, as you say, you were correcting it and thought you could catch it. And then when you realize, no, this is not going to work, whether it's Mexico, you're along the wall and you see the barriers, which they changed, by the way, after that, because they didn't want people having what you happened, or whether it's the crash you just mentioned when you know it's about to happen. Like, what happens? You think, oh, shit. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah, obviously, when you lose the control, when you know you're going to crash, it's like, yeah. Here we go. Just wait for the impact. See how much it hurts. There's, it's it's a terrible feeling when you're not in control anymore. Because while you're driving the car on the limit for so much, you you get this sensation that nothing can happen and it's, it's all good. It's under control. But if you become a passenger, it's it's not fun. So um, you just wait and take it. Now, as you know, there's a lot of keyboard warriors out there that will all say that it, it's easy. Why, why didn't he do this? Why didn't he do the other? Because as fans, it's easy for us all to think that we would be, all be amazing drivers. <laughs> what would you say is the one thing that none of us appreciate about the effort of wrestling a Formula One car around a track? That it would be the single thing that you would say you wouldn't. You wouldn't even be able to do X. What, what, what would you say is the hardest thing to do? I think the multitasking part, it really takes a lot of practice. Like, and when you get really specific for with the different settings, like during the lap, you know, the, the brake bias, brake bias shaping, uh, the diff, all these things that you're doing throughout the whole lap. Yes, you could not do them, but then you would be slower. Um, so I think just mentally, like how loading it is sometimes and demanding and how, how far you're pushing yourself mentally is pretty. It's quite hard to explain, you know, um, and also the physical aspect of things like people, example, who, who drive uh, simulators and stuff, you know, you're not really like at, at home. You barely have any movement or no movement. Um, you can just really focus on the lines and everything. But when you put on top of that, that physical, um, you know, exhaustion in the end with it, with the G forces and when it, once your heart rate starts to go up and your start, body starts to feel fatigued. You know, it's it, everything just becomes more tricky, and the vibrations, the bumps, the visibility actually is sometimes pretty pretty poor from the car. So, from the onboard TV camera, it doesn't maybe look like that, but uh, sometimes <laughs> I think that's a bigger bigger challenge. Yeah. How so... much time do you spend? Oh, sorry, Brian. How much time do you spend in the gym? Because we only see little snippets. Usually, it'll be somebody will put it on a YouTube official channel of like you've got those like things around your head and doing the weightlifting with the neck and all that kind of stuff. And it almost does it in like a light-hearted. Oh, look, he spent five minutes in the gym doing that. And I imagine it's more like Rocky training for his fight in Rocky Four. But um, what's your kind of average week looking like in that gym work to be prepared for a season? Yeah, like from the start of January, normally in the winter, I start the gym program again. And as we're speaking, I think two hours ago, I had my last session um, at the gym. And it's, yeah, like I love doing cardio. I love cycling. Um, but the gym is, is a bit of a must, uh, especially preseason. And and the neck, the core, you need to be pretty strong. It's always going to be still painful in the first test um, because of the vibrations and bumps that you can't really simulate at the gym but um yeah in the end your body gets used to it uh throughout the season and then it becomes actually a lot about the recovery trying to recover from races and events and stuff but yeah usual week um i, I would do maybe two to three gym sessions but a solid ones um plus all the other training um that i do but uh but neck training i would do like every other day just uh, just a quick quick session to get the muscles used to it again so 
you in in your Formula One career, you've kicked off so many memes and so many things that are just amazing from you know the to whom it may concern to traditions to your austria team radio when you're cutting the grass when you were at monza max lewis you turned looked at the screen came back with a smile the the curler the the usa curler guy who is aspiring to look just like you and we use one here all the time uh porridge well, i had some porridge so like to me do any of those stick out to you as like your favorite Valtteri meme that you see people use or are they all just, you know, whatever? I mean, is there something that sticks out in your mind and makes you laugh? Yeah, they all make, make me laugh. Like, I wonder how people come up with those things. <laughs> um, yeah, which one is the best? I really struggle to to choose what is the best. Uh, I would probably go for the porridge because there's actually a story behind it. And I don't know, it just came, <laughs> came um, because I had porridge and uh, <laughs> makes you strong. But it was my granddad when I was a kid. He told me to have porridge every morning so I would grow and eventually fit a go-kart, which I didn't fit the year before. So then it became a thing. And um, yeah, it was always my usual breakfast as a, as a kid. Um, so yeah, it just came. And uh, yeah, sadly, he passed away um a couple years ago but um it was uh, it was a cool moment now that was the race you dominated right wasn't that the australian yeah, 2019 exactly. that interview in particular so exactly. okay so the porridge mm -hmm. means something and it worked yeah absolutely actually because i was watching that podium interview the other day and um you mentioned you know you had your porridge and i think it was danny ricardo was interviewing you and um you um uh, well, it was another race maybe but you almost responded back to the whole um it's not just porridge it was like there's a whole lot more that went into it than just the porridge but um it's yeah. been when you jumped on the back of the curling one did someone make you aware of that or did you see it all flying <laughs> around on twitter of the kind of separated at birth you and uh, matt hamilton because you responded and you must have made uh, must have made his day but um did someone alert you to it or did you just happen to see it yeah so uh, actually I, I saw him already in, in the news somewhere i saw a headline and his picture and I was like what is it me like <laughs> <laughs> and then, then not long after I saw somebody on Twitter like tagging me or, or something like this and yeah it's, it's pretty funny like he seems a bit of a legend so yeah it would be nice to meet him <laughs> you two haven't arranged meeting up yet then not yet no but uh we'll we'll do for sure well you know with your uh, ice skating background you know you should be able to join him on a game of curling yeah absolutely so <laughs> Uh, he's an American, which is a nice segue to get us back to America, um, being an American podcast here. We've got Vegas added to uh, the calendar this year. Um, it, we all know it's going to be big. It's going to be uh, spectacular. Do you get to enjoy that side of it? Uh, will you get to kind of uh, sort of dine out on the whole kind of uh, the vibe of Vegas? Or when you get there for race weekend, is it there's a job needs doing and I don't have any time for any of that? I just want to kind of wonder your feelings on how you're looking forward to Vegas. Yeah, when I heard about the race, I was like, oh, my God, not again. <laughs> I, I went there um, in 2016 with a few mates and uh, had a lovely weekend. And <laughs> left the place, I said, I'm never going back. So, <laughs> but enough time has passed and I'm fine with everything and uh, I'm happy to go back. So um, it, it is going to be epic. I think it's going to be yeah, something really, really unique and I think from what I've seen, I think hopefully the track is going to be good for racing as well. I'm sure they they figured out that that time of the year, because they, it, it's like an evening race, like really late. Right. It's going to be really cold. So that's a bit strange. But 
because I, th I think it could be like zero degrees Celsius. So let's see. Well, yeah, it, in Vegas, it's pretty variable that time of year, so it could be pretty cold. Okay. Okay. <clears throat> Excuse me. So we're obviously huge Valtteri fans. And, you know, as an American podcast, kind of curious your take on American joining the grid this year with Logan, Logan Sargent. Looking back to your rookie year, and as you kind of look at other drivers coming onto the grid, what's something important for a rookie, and in this case, Logan, to kind of try to achieve in, in his first year? Being patient, uh, being, you know, you know um, good to yourself and not demanding too much too, too quickly. Because as a rookie, it's always you kind of need to prove that you, you belong in F1. And it depends on the team, depends on the atmosphere, how much time they give you to perform and because there's so many new things, so many things to learn. So just giving a bit more lead on, on yourself, you know, and uh, not being too too harsh on yourself because it's easy to go into a spiral that, you know, if you do a mistake, you start to worry about it then you become more stressed and driving doesn't come naturally. So, mm. yeah, just relax and, uh, and enjoy and trust in your in your skill. Um, he seems like a talented guy, a smart guy as well. So... I have no doubt he's going to be fine, but um, yeah, not being too harsh on yourself is important. Um, and yes, it's great to have an American on, on the grid because obviously the sport is growing in the US a, a lot, so that's good. Have you have you asked him to have him pronounce your last name yet, or have we gotten to that point of the relationship? Not yet. I will I person. <laughs> okay, good to know it's on the agenda. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Now, there's way more to Valtteri than F1 and we um, would be remiss if we didn't uh, visit a few of our other kind of uh, pieces. Now I'm going to hand over to Brian for the first one because uh, Brian pulled this one out and uh, it's it's one of the most important questions that needs answering. It actually is the most important question. So last year before Monaco the picture comes out of you in a stream naked or as we'd say it here naked and so the question I have for you is what qualities of a stream come into your mind and say, yes, I want to get naked in this stream and have pictures of my butt taken here. Is there something about the stream itself that's important to choose? Uh, no, it just happened. <laughs> I, was I was actually looking for just like a river or stream to go swim or, or lake. But then there's this one mountain pass that, that is closed. That's a particular time of the year. I think the snow had, had a, hasn't melted yet or something like this. So there was a gate because I checked from Google Maps. There was a lake that looks beautiful. So it would be nice to swim there. So yeah, I couldn't go there. Found this like um, tiny parking lot next to the road. Checked oh, on, just on maps. There's a river. Go down like a cliff. Found it. And then as a fin, decided to get naked and, and, <laughs> and go for it. And then actually it was my girlfriend just took a picture while, while I was there um, or, or a few, few pictures. And I was in the on, on, on the in the river with Paul Ripke together as well. Um, and yeah, just got back in the evening, and so there was like many photos because we always share the photos with airdrop each other and like throughout the day what happened. And then there was this one particular photo that I don't know somehow looked like quite artistic in a way, but it just had my bun ass out. But <laughs> otherwise, it was artistic. <laughs> so I decided to. I just asked her uh, and and Ripke, should I post it? And they went, yeah, well, why not? It's a beautiful picture. And then I just posted with no text, nothing. And next morning I realized it became pretty, pretty big. 
<laughs> you didn't. I think I read a story that you had um, you had five thousand of them commissioned and sold for charity, right? And raised a, a, a decent amount of money for charity. And I was just thinking of these five thousand people that have got your butt hanging on the wall. Now, did, <laughs> have you ever been presented that back to to sign it? And like, if so, did you sign one of your ass cheeks? I've signed many of my ass cheeks. Yeah, <laughs> yes. We every now and then they keep you know popping up. You know, if there's fan meetings and you know in random countries or places there's always somebody with this poster who's walking to me and (laughs) then everybody's looking like what is that so (laughs) yeah it's quite funny yeah so rob one of the things we wanted to talk about with you valtteri is oath gin which is i'm curious how do you get started in something like this and i I read the story between the oats and the apples in australia and tiffany and the finland and the oats but like, it, how do you kind of say one day, you know what, I'm going to start up a gin company, which is amazing. Like I, I, so many people uh, struggle with getting entrepreneurial ideas going. How did you make that happen? Out of curiosity. Uh, I was outside my, my house on, on the porch having a gin tonic. And then I decided that I want to make a gin. <laughs> so that's, that's how it happens. You know, no, it's, it's been a passion for me for a long time. Um, I've been collecting gin a lot and together with my girlfriend and always with different gins, you know, obviously when you try it for the first time, you, you know, you either like it or not. And then there's the, this different flavor profiles and always because I'm a bit, a bit geeky in that, that way that there was not like it was something wrong with it, but always something that I would change in, in, in the gin, like whether it was too sharp or the juniper is too strong or, you know, things like that. So then just came up with the idea because we both have a passion for it. That Why don't we start our own gin company and um, started planning and here we are. Um, we're not yet in, in the US or or UK, um, many countries in Europe, but uh, step by step, we're getting there and uh, eventually we'll be available in, in most places. Nice, nice. Well, you mentioned cycling a couple of times there. Um, you seem to have really got into it. We've had, um, obviously, we've had uh, Paul um, uh, has been on the show many times for us. We had Rob Rido, I think, interviewed during uh, Colorado, so we were following you around doing uh, the cycling. Um, you seem to be enjoying it, but what we really want to know is, um, is Paul any good on a bike, or does he really suck? And do you always, you, you and Tiffany like cycling off into the distance, having to wait for Paul to catch up? <laughs> He's all right. It's okay. I think. Yeah, Tiff is obviously next level. It's her her job, and uh, she's been cycling since young age, and uh, yeah, that's what she lives out for. So um, it's for me also hard to keep up with her. But, uh, <laughs> I'm I'm not bad. I'm getting better, and especially like in the off season when I have actually more time to be on a bike, then yeah, definitely you feel your your pace goes up and uh, you're better. Um, but it is a passion for me. It's at the same time as training, but also like de-stretching in, in, in a way great way to see places and um, clear the head well Valtteri you are an amazing driver you are 10th in the history of Formula 1 podiums in the entire history of F1 you have the 10th most podiums you're knocking on ninth behind Rubens you have done so many amazing things we've talked about some of your dominating victories you've put your butt in a, in a, in a stream um, but now it's time for the 100 seconds of DRS, which I can only assume it will be the pinnacle of your F1 career. Um, don't answer that question. Um, but so are, are you ready for 100 seconds yep. of DRS? Yes. Rob, are you ready for 100 seconds of DRS? Yeah, I've got the timer ready to go, so I will count us in, and then Brian and I will take it in turns. And here we go in three, two, one, begin. Begin. 
Valtteri, what's the first poster you had on your bedroom wall? Jerry Halliwell. What's the what's your favorite F1 circuit to drive? Suzuka. What's the your favorite historical driver in F1? Mika Hakkinen. Would you prefer to wear a bucket hat or a mullet hairstyle? Mullet hair. Mario or Luigi? Mario. Which two drivers from different eras would you like to see race head to head? Fangio and Senna. Nice. Uh, what's your favorite F1 livery of all time? The 2023 Alfa Romeo F1 team steak. Well said. What's your favorite food? Pizza. Do you prefer a wet race or a dry race? Dry. What's your favorite non-motorsport sport? Ice hockey. Favorite musician or musical group? The Offspring. What's your favorite cheese? Blue cheese. Now this is this is highbrow. If you could add a James Bond style gadget to your F1 car, what would it be? Drinks holder. <laughs> would you rather be chased by ten duck-sized horses or one horse-sized duck? One horse-sized duck, because I would love to see a duck that size. <laughs> I mean, waterproof chicken. If, if you were in the pit crew, which tire would you prefer to change? The front left. And that's time. Thank you so much for doing that, Valtteri. Okay, no worries. That was awesome. Um, and as you can see, a very highbrow, uh, in-depth quiz, which really, really yeah. put, shone a spotlight onto your soul, I think. Definitely, yeah. I had to do lots of thinking there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, we just want to say thank you. Thanks for your generosity of your time and your insights. Thanks for letting two bozos like us have a conversation with you, two fans of F1 who enjoy watching you go around track. And just thank you very much for doing this. No, my pleasure. Thank you. Amazing conversation. I cannot say enough. Again, thanks to Paul for connecting us. I just I got to say something really quickly here. We are just two fans, right? That's the point of this podcast. It's for fans, by fans, about fans. It's about F1 and our love of it. And we all have drivers we like, and we all have things that bother us. But at the end of the day, we enjoy talking F1. And so Rob and I, when we started this, had said, if we only have five listeners, and they're all family members, we're still going to do this darn thing, because we have fun talking about F1. And as a fan, to see that box, as Rob said, pop up, and it says Valtteri on it. And I can't explain how amazing that was, not for the podcast, but for the fan in me. And so I hope you guys all heard through that amazing conversation. Thank you, Paul. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Valtteri. Two fans getting a chance to talk to someone they really enjoy watching go around the track every week. Amazing. Yeah, it was, it, it was absolutely amazing. A few things kind of struck me. Um, one... Uh, it wouldn't be an interview if I didn't screw something up. So at least I didn't <laughs> stammer at the beginning like I did in Jack and basically lose the ability to speak and throw it over to you. But what I did is because I threw in at the last minute the Danny Ricardo finger guns thing, which I hadn't planned on saying, for some reason my brain then copied and pasted Mark Webber and eradicated him and added Danny Rick instead. <laughs> so as I'm trying to explain the podium thing about porridge, I'd watched the video that morning and there was Mark Webber interviewing him and... 
the word Danny Rick came out of my mouth instead. At which point, at which point, both Valtteri and Brian almost pulled exactly the same face, which is, <laughs> what the hell are you talking about? Which then led to that slightly awkward couple of seconds where I kind of flounder before getting back on track again. So that, I think it wouldn't be an interview if I didn't screw something up. So um, that's okay. No, I mean, I was saying to uh, one of my neighbours that the bit that almost put me to rest straight away was when Valtteri asked us to write the beginning. Well, how do you say my last name? <laughs> and just him having that bit of fun with us and kind of like knowing that probably most people butcher it. Um, Especially Americans. I mean, let's be honest. Let's as be honest the, as I didn't the, want to say it. No, it's okay. I can say it. We're both the American podcast. You may not sound American, but you are. And so now as the, uh, as the guy who sounds most American... Uh, it is a hard name to say for some reason, and especially in the Midwest, Chicago. I mean, we love our hard O's, and so to say Batas, Bata, I can't. Botas, like yeah. like like Paul botas. tried to say. Imagine a bottle with an yeah, ass. Bot- it's yeah, a botas. botas. I so did it. See, there it is. You did it. Well done. Anyway, that's us kind of chewing the fat over that. I think the more important thing is, I think Brian, uh, we need a jingle, and we need you to do what you do best. Sapstats. All right, Sapstats Valtteri edition. This is insane. I said that, but here we go. So I, I dropped a couple quickly throughout the pod, but for everyone who's no, new knows, I uh, may not know, I love stats. Love them, love them, love them. Can't get enough of them. So Valtteri, twice second in the World Drivers' Championship and twice third in the World Drivers' Championship. He has started 199 Grands Prix at this point. Ten wins, as I mentioned, twice in Austria, twice at Russia, 20 poles, 19 fastest laps, 67 podiums. He's led 728 laps for a total of 2,379 miles. So just to tell you how far that is that Valtteri has led F1 races, you could start at Rob's in Connecticut, and Valtteri's driving, he could drive all the way to Chicago, pick me up. Uh, I don't know. We're both holding on to a side pod, apparently. And then <laughs> you could go all the way from Chicago to Las Vegas. And Valtteri's leading the race the whole way. That is amazing. When you talk about somebody who has just had an amazing career already, and it's still going, this guy is tremendous. As I mentioned, the 67 podiums ranks him 10th all-time in terms of podiums. Number nine is Rubens at 68 podiums. So Valtteri's knocking on the door. Let's hope that amazing-looking Alfa Romeo gives him that opportunity. Um, you know, he's had eight races at Saatchi and five podiums there. So he clearly loves the track, and he's amazing at it. There have been He's had three fastest laps of his fastest laps. Three of them were in Saatchi, and no one else even has two. And we talked a little bit about domination, just that Australian GP from 2019 where he mentioned the porridge, which Rob said he was interviewed by Daniel Ricciardo. We don't he, need to mention that again. Okay. He dominated. It was one of the most dominating races I've ever seen, especially from the statistics perspective. He started second behind Lewis on the grid. He took the fastest lap. He beat Lewis by 20 seconds. There were only five other cars on the lead lap. Five. Everyone else was at least a lap down with Russell and Kubica being more than a lap down. It was not even close for the people on the lead lap. Lewis, as I said, 20 seconds behind. Max, 22 behind. Both Seb and Charles in the Ferraris, 57 and 58 seconds behind. And K-Mag hanging on to the lead lap, a minute 27. Everyone else lapped. He took the fastest lap. The fastest lap that Valtteri had was half a second faster 
than Lewis's fastest lap, which was the second fastest lap. Amazing. So anyway, just a, a tremendous career to date. So much more to come. He's an amazing driver. He was so kind and generous with his time in the interview. Um, and he did the 100 seconds of DRS, which clearly was the pinnacle. That that really did make me smile when he agreed to do that and kind of going through some of those things. And one of the things, obviously, he said at the time, which we had no idea of, because he was very, very professional when we asked him the favorite F1 livery of all time. And he gave us the answer of the 2023 Alfa Romeo uh, stake livery. And we were like, oh, and we hadn't seen it at that point. <laughs> so we couldn't really comment. But actually, it is a good looking car. And if they've, uh, if they've addressed some of the issues that they had, um, I, was, I was reading up on some of the design changes for that car this year. And it's more, it looks like more around the back end of it to try to kind of um, give it some more stability. It was a fast looking car. So who knows? That, that kind of uh, Barrichello's record of podiums could could go this uh, he could overtake him potentially we'll have to see I, I just wish him the best for this year because um yeah maybe i'm slightly biased but he's become one of my even more favorite drivers now <laughs> he, he was already one of my favorites and now obviously um i mean for any friends of the pod um you know just of course he gets preferential treatment at this point <laughs> oh man so are we gonna just dine out on this for a while now do you think do you think I'm still playing this one from a while ago? This is Jacques Villeneuve, and you're listening to The Dirty Side of the Track. So why would I stop playing this one now? This is Valtteri Bottas, and you're listening to The Dirty Side of the Track. I mean, I hate to say it, but everyone who listens are going to have to hear those couple things, and now Valtteri forever. <laughs> we'll have to do some sort of mashup where we kind of have one of them say, like, this is Valtteri, and then we have Jacques saying, and you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, man. So that was tremendous. Again, thanks, Paul, and thank you if you're listening this far, Valtteri for doing that. Um, F1 is an amazing community and people are so kind and generous and thoughtful. And I just can't say that enough. We've had some amazing guests this calendar year already from obviously Valtteri. We had Antonia who was just so amazing, thoughtful, smart about everything F1. Um, well, just, I mean, she was amazing. And then we had Spanners and Matt Bishop, Matt Bishop was so generous with his time with us and the stories. I mean, it's blown my mind. I can't believe two bozos like us have had these opportunities. So thank you to everybody who has enabled these conversations and been part of them. Yeah, and um, and as I was joking, uh, my neighbor Jim has been both a DRS uh, guest member. He also provides the music that goes under the uh, under the guests as they do the hundred seconds of DRS. And he was like, "Wow, like talk about like degrees of separation." He said, "I'm basically related to Valtteri Bottas now." He said because <laughs> I've done the hundred seconds of DRS and his music plays while he was on there, and it's it's just so nice because he's stoked that his music is playing underneath, you know, Matt Bishop, Valtteri. Um, but we said last week, you know, the, the 100 Seconds of DRS first started off as to try to be like a community thing, get some right. kind of listeners come on. And come on, guys, please volunteer. We've It's gone a little bit dry. We haven't had anybody volunteer to come on and do the 100 Seconds of DRS. You, you can now join the Valtteri Club uh, if you sign up to do it. So please drop us a note, Twitter, um, Instagram, our email address, website, wherever you can find us. Just get in touch with us and uh, come and join the 100 Seconds of DRS Club. Speak, uh, speaking of which, next week we have an amazing episode planned. We are going to get an opportunity to kind of talk the 2023 season and what's coming with members of the Discord server. And we have a great group of folks, almost all of them, former 100 Seconds of DRS guests. Not quite all. We should close that, that loop as well. But uh, just a great opportunity to have a kind of a community chat about what people are thinking for next year. Uh, or coming season, I should call it, because it's not next year. It's around the corner. 
2023. So we are super excited. I cannot wait to have that conversation. I'm really looking forward to kind of chatting with the crew from the Discord server, and you can hear that uh, next Sunday. And uh, I think it's only right now to uh, close the episode on a musical tribute to Valtteri. Um, anybody who's listened to the show for a while will know that we've got um, uh, a listener, uh, goes by the name of Andy, who has been fantastic in doing some musical things for us. One of them was Brian's Sandwich Rant uh, <laughs> remix, which is oh. just fantastic. The other one was the Thank You song uh, to Pit Lane Paul. I'm going to link both of those in the show notes for anybody that hasn't seen it before. But when we told him that we were talking to Valtteri this week, um, we got back onto the subject of maybe doing another little song. Um, so for anybody who's familiar with either uh, the Zootons or Amy Winehouse uh, version of the song Valerie, uh, please listen to this as we play out this week's song to Valtteri. Well, sometimes I record with the sap and I talk across the Zoom call. I think of all the things that we've done Someone's missing from the picture Cause since we come on in Well we've had some epic guests And I've loved your mullet hair And your porridge is the best Why don't you drive on over Record a show Come on the podcast, Valtteri Valtteri Did you wanna grow the tash? Is your gym making you cash? Did you find a good berry? I hope you get to ride the bike I hope you take it where you like Okay.